Well, this whole year we're on this worship series on being immersed into the biblical story. And in the fall, we looked at a bunch of Old Testament books. We're looking at a whole book of the Bible every Sunday. And then we didn't quite take a break from that worship series in Advent, but instead we looked at the four Gospels during the four Sundays of Advent to prepare ourselves for Christmas. And now we're getting back into some Old Testament texts for the next few months or so. And today we're looking at the book of Proverbs. And before I read to you chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, I just want to give a bit of context. I've I've enjoyed doing this a little bit uh, over the past few months or so as we've had this worship series. Just trying to give you some context before you hear the scripture, because we haven't been in this text together, uh, you know, for the past few weeks as we normally do in worship series. You're hearing it once and only today. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context of Proverbs before we get into it. Proverbs can feel kind of clunky when you read Proverbs, right? It can feel a little bit clunky. I don't know if you've read much Proverbs in your life. And part of the reason why it feels clunky is that it went through years and years of editing. And not just years of editing, but many editors. Proverbs is a collection of sayings by sages, by wise people in Jerusalem, probably associated with the royal court, And frankly, it's like their wisdom, their wise sayings that were captured, written down, and collected. And then over hundreds of years, they were edited and they were redacted. Some may have been tossed out, you know, who knows? And so what we have in front of us is not just the writings of one person that sat down at one time, filled with wisdom from God, and just wrote it down. Instead, these 31 chapters is a collection of sayings by the sages, by wise people that were living in Jerusalem over hundreds of years. And not just in Jerusalem, but some scholars think that some of these collections of sayings were borrowed from international communities of faith as well, that lived well beyond the boundaries of that space. Uh, They think this especially about, I think, chapters 26 through 28. So this is a collection of sayings, and in, and in that way, it can feel kind of clunky when you read it. And you'll see what I mean when I read Proverbs chapter 3. It covers a wide range of ideas and concepts. This is not a, a single theme idea for each chapter. It's kind of splotchy. It's like throwing paint against the wall, and you get to experience all of that. So it can feel a little clunky because of the collections of sayings and the editing process. And then the second thing I want to try to bring up as a way of context is that it's part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And there are three books that are generally associated with the wisdom literature. Job, which you've heard already, Ecclesiastes, which we're going to look at next week, and then Proverbs. And Proverbs sort of sets itself apart from those other texts in that it's inherently positive. It's positive, right? You'll hear next week Pastor Mary talk about Ecclesiastes. You know, in Ecclesiastes... It's like, why toil under the sun? Everything is meaningless. It's all worthless life. But in Proverbs, no, if you just do this, then all these great things are going to happen to you in your life. That's it. It has this kind of positivity that radiates through Proverbs when you read it. So there's just a bit of context. This editing process that makes it feel a little clunky, and then it's also inherently positive. If you just do these things, all these things will happen as a result of that. So there's a bit of context. Now I'm going to read for us this day, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. Listen to God's word. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life 
and abundant welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and refreshment for your body. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves the one he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. Happy are those who find wisdom and those who get understanding, for her income is better than silver and her revenue better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called happy. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know about you, but Proverbs has not always been my favorite biblical text to turn to. I love reading the Bible, but Proverbs is one of the ones that I often avoid, if I'm being honest with you. Because if you have a choice between like Proverbs and Psalms, you're going to go with the Psalms for the most part, right? I mean, you heard all those beautiful testimonies last week about how they changed people's lives and they became Christians as a result of Psalms. You don't often hear that about Proverbs, though, at least the whole of the book of Proverbs. And not just that, but in my own experience, it feels like you can kind of grab three words from Proverbs and then make the whole of the gospel story about maybe three words from the book of Proverbs. And so it's just not always been my favorite thing. And Maybe it's been because of the way other people use Proverbs. I'm not really sure, but it's not always been my favorite book of the Bible. I'll be honest with you, okay? And I wonder if you've had that same kind of experience of Proverbs not always being your favorite book of the Bible, at least not a place that you regularly turn to or you're excited to turn to when it comes to coming upon Proverbs. And so this past week, I had a conversation with two of my really good friends, and I told them I had this sermon coming up on the whole book of the Proverbs, and that I was sort of lamenting it a little bit, and that it just wasn't my favorite book of the Bible. And the two of them were glowing and excited. They're, they are Bible scholars. And they're like, Kurt, no, Proverbs is the best book of the Bible. <laughs> and I said, all right, if that's the case, you better make your case right now about why it's the best book in the Bible. And we had this rich conversation. I mean, they are Bible scholars and theologians, and so they, they, know, they know more about this than I would ever know, and, and I was able to listen in. And part of me just wanted to start to record that conversation and let that be the sermon today, because it was, they had more beautiful things to say about Proverbs than I ever will. 
Yet, one of the things they said to me, my friend, she said to me, she said, Kurt, 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 you have to think about it in terms of like a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old who has been going through a rough year of being on Zoom school, you know, and they're in a breakout room with a couple other kids and the teacher's in the other breakout room and maybe some of those kids in that breakout room start to be mean to that 10-year-old. They start to say rough things to that 10-year-old. But that 10-year-old's heart is all about trying to do the right thing, trying to learn the right things, trying to just survive. And that 10-year-old gets beat up a little bit, you know, emotionally by their kids on the breakout Zoom meeting. And then that 10-year-old doesn't really want to talk to mom and dad about it, you know? It's like, that's a little too close. Like, mom and dad might try to go find the parents of those kids and then ruffle everything up and make it a little bit more awkward. But instead, the 10-year-old goes to grandma, you know, and she says, Grandma, I'm trying my hardest to do this, but I've had this really rough experience lately. And there's grandma. And grandma listens. Grandma wants to talk to that grandchild and love that grandchild. And just like the phrase that's used so often, pearls of wisdom, here comes grandma with all of the sage advice of all the wonderful years of life lived by grandma and just wants to give it all to the grandchild. Doesn't want to just kind of make it all better, but to say, I've been there too, and here's what's maybe helped me, and just wants to share all that wisdom with that grandchild. And that grandchild, you know, they may take some of that advice, but they might just let it all go. They might let a lot of it go, right? Maybe when they're 15 or 20, they might hear some of those stories from grandma again and go, oh, that's relevant for now in my life. And I think just hearing that metaphor from my friend made this all the better for looking at Proverbs this week because Proverbs is not a treatise on wisdom. It's not a philosophy of what wisdom is. This is not, you know, Kant or Descartes or something along those lines. This is truly the gathering of sayings of persons who have encountered wisdom from God and it's been woven together into 31 chapters. And so truly our hearts when we come to Proverbs should be like that. It should be experiencing and hoping to an experience an encounter with wisdom. Not just any kind of wisdom too, but I hope you heard at the end of chapter three, there's the personification of wisdom in Proverbs. And she is known as woman wisdom. And she shows up all throughout Proverbs. Wisdom is embodied as a female, as a woman. Kind of like grandma, you know, this encounter with grandma who has all the wisdom to share. It's personified, it's real, it's concrete. It's meant to be woven into our lives, right? So that metaphor of grandma was really helpful for me this week as I looked at Proverbs. And not just the metaphor, but then when I started to look at Proverbs chapter three, I think I saw exactly what my friend was trying to say to me. And I'm not sure if you heard it quite there, but in, but in one of those little nuggets of one of those ideas, of the many ideas in Proverbs chapter three, there in verses 11 and 12, Proverbs begins to speak about the Lord's discipline and says, don't be weary of the Lord's reproof. The Lord reproves the one he loves. The one he loves. Now, I also said earlier in some of the contextual things about Proverbs, you know, that it's, it's positive, but it's also really simplistic sometimes. You know, and our world is inherently complex, yes. And that's why we might lean towards one book of the Bible versus another. 
But sometimes, friends, it is just nice to be simple in our faith, to be simple in our theology sometimes. Not all the time, but every once in a while, it's frankly refreshing just to remember the basics. Like, the Lord reproves the one he loves. God loves you. The way that grandmother loves a grandchild, that heart is full of love for that grandchild. So is God's heart full of love for you. And so when it comes to sharing this wisdom with the one that God loves, you, it is not so argumentative. It's not trying to be forceful on your life. Even the word reprove kind of has that connotation of it. That word in the Hebrew shows up about six times in the Old Testament. And, you know, it's hard to understand what that word reprove is. But really, it's about hoping that God will give you an encounter or an experience of wisdom because God loves you, and that it would give shape to your life. It would give shape to the future direction. It could be useful for you and where you are in your life. This past week, I was watching um, <laughs> an episode of a kid's show. I don't watch too much TV, but when I watch kid shows with my kids, there's one that I watch a lot of, and I love it. It's called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. If you have a two-year-old or a three-year-old, you've watched the show too many times probably by now. But it's beautiful. It's, uh, they, PBS has taken all of Mr. Rogers' old TV shows and Mr. Rogers' neighborhoods, and they've adapted them to a cartoon of a little tiger that is now Mr. Rogers. And it's just a wonderful show with really good ideas and, and positive experiences. And I was watching an episode this week with my daughter, and we were watching it, and Daniel was at school with his friends. And Daniel kept doing something that he wasn't supposed to do. He was bumping into his friend, and he was hurting them. And, he made his friend start crying, and then he said, I'm sorry, and his friend got up, and then Daniel bumped into his friend again, and they started crying, and Daniel said, I'm sorry, and then Daniel did it a third time and bumped his friend down and said, I'm sorry, and then the teacher comes over to Daniel and the friend and says, oh, Daniel, I see that you're sorry, and you didn't mean to do that. Sorry is the first thing we say, and then the second thing we say is, how can I help? And I was like, oh, yeah. Exactly. That's right. Daniel's heart didn't want to hurt his friend. He just didn't know what to do. So here comes the teacher, reproving, giving shape, giving wisdom to Daniel so that Daniel can live and move in the trajectory that he wants to do. Now, of course, that's my Proverbs lens on top of a two-year-old TV show, but it was truly wisdom. It was beautiful. Daniel had an encounter and an experience with wisdom. For him, that very well could have been the wisdom from God that would have been woven in from Proverbs. The Lord reproves the one he loves, right? The Lord reproves the one he loves. As we said earlier in this worship service, today is Epiphany Sunday. Epiphany Sunday. The Sunday we remember when those wise men from the east traveled to Jerusalem because they saw the star and this star said to them that a Messiah was born. The Messiah was born, the King of the Jews. And I'm sure many of you know this story from the Gospel of Matthew. And they show up to Jerusalem and they say, where is the Messiah that was born? And no one in Jerusalem knows anything about it. And so King Herod gathers together all the chief priests and all the scribes and all the smart people. And they start to look at all the texts and try to figure out what's going on. And, and they say, oh no, the Messiah wasn't born in Jerusalem. The Messiah would have been born in Bethlehem. It's only a short five-mile walk away from Jerusalem. So Herod sends the wise men there and then says, come on back afterwards if you do find this Messiah. So the wise men go. They bring their gifts. They meet Jesus. 
They're overwhelmed with joy because they did find the Messiah that they were looking for, and their hearts were filled with joy. Later that night while they're sleeping, they have a dream, and the dream tells them not to go back to Jerusalem because they know that King Herod is anxious and will feel threatened by the birth of Jesus, but instead to go elsewhere, to not go back to King Herod. And when we begin to think about what makes the wise men wise, what makes the wise men wise is they didn't entirely lean on their own insights, as it says from Proverbs 13, but they leaned on the insights and the wisdom from God to help them give a sense of their direction and their path in life. It wasn't just an internal thing, their own acquired knowledge, their own wisdom that they may have, but it was that they leaned on God for wisdom. And not just leaned on God for wisdom, but it gave vocation and shape and direction to their life. That's what made them the wise men, because they had an encounter and an experience with wisdom, and they allowed it to give shape and direction to where they were going, and not going back to King Herod, an anxious ruler who does, frankly, horrible things, as you know of, in Matthew chapter 2, but instead they go that way. And that becomes a model for Jesus' family, too. They have to leave also, because they will be threatened by King Herod, and they run away for a period of time until Jesus gets a little bit older. So they embody that encountered experience of wisdom, too, that the, the Lord is reproving the ones he loves. Obviously, you know, um, it's 2021. It's a new year. And this is the time of life, even though it can feel a bit arbitrary sometimes, the transition from one year to another year. But it's also really just a natural time to be reflecting on where we were a year ago, where you want to be a year from now, what's coming up in your life, what's coming up in school for you, what's coming up in your own family, what's coming up for your own faith journey. You know, you're probably wondering and thinking about these things already in a natural sort of way, having these conversations with friends or with family members about where you want to be a year from now. And resolutions as they are can be helpful in this capacity to begin to just kind of imagine a future on your own. And I think when we begin to think about Proverbs chapter 3 is not leaning on our own insight, but instead bringing the Lord in this experience of an encounter with wisdom, with woman wisdom into your life, it will help give you a shape and a future dream of where you want to be a year from now. And I love this idea, actually, of thinking about bringing in Proverbs. I said at the beginning of the sermon, I don't really like Proverbs that much, but my fresh re-encounter with Proverbs chapter 3 has really actually helped me envision my own future in the next year. And having an experience, an encounter with wisdom, remembering that the Lord reproves the one the Lord loves. You know, and even though you set a future target of what you may hope to be, as we know from this past year, all sorts of stuff happens to us and changes and shifts around us and underneath us. And maybe what we had hoped for a year ago, none of that came to pass this past year. But maybe some of it did. And when we invite and we have these encounters and this experience of God's wisdom in our life, you know, then I think we can begin to dream the way God would dream for us, to find that straight path as the scriptures talk about. And there's just something that feels good about that. As I said, this is a simplistic text sometimes, Proverbs. And frankly, there is just something that feels good about doing what something says to do, you know, to feel like you're on that straight path. Obviously, the world is infinitely complex. 
There's so much going on, but there's also just something that feels good when you receive wisdom from God, that pearl of wisdom that really connects for your life, like saying, oh yeah, how can I, how can I help? Because I don't actually want to be hurting you. Or, or what does it mean to be wise, to let my dreams be your dreams, God, and for us to bring those things together and to find them to have synergy and to find that wisdom for the next year of my life. So my encouragement to you all is, is perhaps what I've really tried to say in this whole sermon is, is uh, my friends made a case for me to read Proverbs, so go read Proverbs. Go read Proverbs. And, and not just to read it for the sake of reading it. And, you know, if there's stuff in there that's annoying, let it go. That's okay. That's part of Proverbs. Maybe in a couple years you'll read it again, and it will be totally meaningful to you. But just open up your heart to have an experience of encountering God's wisdom, of revelation, an epiphany. that You may just experience God's wisdom for you right now. Not only that, but I would actually invite you and welcome you this week, too, to be praying for the elders of the church this week. Next week on Saturday, the elders of the church, your session and your pastors, they gather together for a lengthy period of time. It's our session retreat at the very beginning of the year. And one of the things that we do is we look out over the next year, and we wonder together and dream together and pray together about how we might shape priorities for the church. And so I would welcome your prayers for them as well this week as they try to bring together their dreams with God's dreams for all of us and and giving a sense of direction of what that straight path will look like for us this year, Trinity. So go read Proverbs. The Lord reproves the ones he loves. The Lord reproves the ones he loves. Have an encounter with wisdom this week with God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, sometimes it is nice to just remember the simple things. It can feel refreshing in the midst of a frustrating, complex, difficult time in life, and especially the last year, just to remember, God, that, that you have knowledge and wisdom you want to share with us and, and for us to open our hearts to that, to remember that you love your people. You, you love your people like a grandmother loves that grandchild, so much so that you would just give us all this wisdom. And even if it doesn't apply right now, maybe there's something that we could just take hold of that could could be like a seed that would grow in us and in our life. And and we would hope to grow this year to find ourselves on that straight path that Proverbs speaks of. So Lord, be with us in this worship service. Give us a vision that would be your vision for our lives, for our community, and for our world that we are a part of, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.